The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. But it's not a regular week in racing because coming up, I'm looking at the ticker right now, we are 20 hours away from, make that 19 hours, 54 minutes, and 12 seconds from the first Breeders' Cup race on Friday. Remember, it is a two-day event. It kicks off uh, with the juvenile sprint. Then we go as far as we can with the marathon. Then the juvenile fillies turf. Juvenile fillies, classic east-west show down there. Uh, the filly and mare turf. And what could be one of the most quality-laden fields you'll see in a long time the Ladies Classic with Royal Delta. Then on a Saturday, it's going to kick off with the uh, Juvenile Turf, the Philly and Mare Sprint, the Dirt Mile, that's going to be a great one, a Turf Sprint, then the Juvenile, then the Turf, a mile and a half on the grass, then we're going to go the short way to the Sprint, and a really well-matched group there. Can Amazombie do it again? Then we go to the Mile, and, of course, we finish it up with the classic that could potentially crown Horse of the Year should Game on Dude get the job done. A lot of different scenarios right there as far as Horse of the Year because not only could some horses uh, be crowned with a win, with uh, so- certain horses losing, like Game on Dude, that could move up the stock of somebody like I'll have another that's not even in the Breeders' Cup this year. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Now, the the Friday card, if you're not at OTB or your favorite racetrack or at Santa Anita itself, uh, will be on the NBC Sports Network, and uh, that'll be on from uh, 4 to 8. Now, that Sports Network will also carry the Saturday card, but not exclusively, uh, from 3.30 to 8 on the NBC Sports Network. And then on your regular TV on NBC Saturday, uh, you're going to get to see the, the Breeders' Cup. So uh, I highly suggest that you, after listening to tonight's show and downloading uh, all of the expert opinions that you'll see on Winning Ponies, website uh, that you'll get out to a a racetrack near you and and, and do some wagering. All right, let's go uh, take a little bit look back at what happened on the national scene this week. Of course, uh, one of our favorite racetracks, Keeneland, uh, concluded their meet, and uh, they had a good one. They had uh, definitely looking good in the numbers business. They were uh, up all sources. They were up Daily, uh, things just look very, very good. Even the daily attendance was up this year, up to 15,000. It was spread across the weeks. I was down there a lot of weekends, and uh, 
they, they, the crowds were very manageable, so they had steady crowds throughout the weekdays there, too. Uh, finishing on top, the top performers, well, Julian Le Peru, uh, he's going to establish himself in Keeneland's history. He captured his fifth consecutive and ninth overall leading rider title. Of course, he's uh, won the Eclipse Award twice, and uh, he also got to a certain point that not many have in Keeneland, 300 wins. That puts him up there just behind the likes of Pat Day, Don Brumfield, Robbie Alvarado, and Shane Sellers. Of course, Day's going to be hard to catch. He's got 918 wins. He still rule the roost there. And it's the 11th leading owner title for the Ramsey, so that he also topped it in the spring. And it was a thriller for top trainer. It looked like Mike Maker was going to bring it home. But Wes Ward, the former leading apprentice jockey in the United States, scored three wins on closing day to overcome Mike Maker in the standings, 12-10. to 10. A Pretty amazing finish there. Hats off to Wes Ward. Okay, the NTRA, the top pole. Well, shooting to the top after last week, Wise Dan is at the top of the NTRA pole, and you're going to see a lot of these horses run this weekend. Then you've got Game On Dude, who I'm sure a lot of people are going to have anchoring their exotic wagers on Saturday for sure. Uh, he, he might be one of the best bets of the day, at least in the eyes of the people that are going to the windows. Uh, then you've got Point of Entry, Royal Delta. I'll have another is still in the standings again. You know, again, if some of these top horses don't show up on Friday and Saturday, I'll have another could move up in the horse of the year rankings. Uh, then you've got Mucho Macho Man, uh, the undefeated Miss My Oriella, the undefeated Awesome Feather, uh, the Speedy Groupie Doll, and Flat Out. I mean, uh, this is going to be one heck of a 48-hour swing. We're going to get to see all those really good horses run. And Calvin Burrell, who didn't have his best meet uh, at Keeneland is hoping that the magic will return when he gets back to Churchill Downs. He's closing in on win number 5,000. So he says he really wants to get it here at Churchill Downs. Uh, he considers that uh, home. He needs 14 wins to become just the 26th rider to win the 5,000 career mark. Uh, another one that could be swinging for the history books is Bill Mott. Could be an interesting story over the weekend. Uh, he owned the biggest day, well, I guess it's two days now, in racing when he won uh the ladies' classic with Royal Delta, and then upset time with fourteen to one Drosselmeyer in the classic. Well, he can do the same thing this year. Royal Delta is back to defend her title in the ladies' classic, and he's got three chances to win the classic uh, with uh, Flat Out, who won the Jockey Club Gold Cup, uh, the Woodard winner to honor serve, and then Ron the Greek, who you won't see him in the first zip code for the first mile or so, but he loves to come flying. So uh, good luck to Hall of Famer Billy Mott. He's got a big chance here over the weekend. Uh, by the way, if you're interested in maybe purchasing a Breeders' Cup horse, uh, oddly enough, I don't think I've ever seen this many going through the sales ring before, but you'll be able to pick yourself up uh, a very nice horse uh, at both at the Fazig Tipton and the Keelan sales, unless they scratch some out at Fazig Tipton. Then you'll be able to get Spinster Stakes in Lingerie, Grace Hall, Bell of the Hall, Musical Romance, Switch, or Zagora. Uh, they're all going again at Fazig Tipton, and then just uh, right across town at Keelan, Great Hots going through the ring, along with Near Reed and 
Lady of Shamrock, a horse that a lot of people are going to be liking over the weekend. Uh, that uh, pretty much uh, closes out some of the uh, news of the week. Now let's go back and take a look at some of the horses that uh, Frank Angst and I capped last week. Let's see. We started out, I believe, at Keeneland with the Fayette. Let me see if I can find that race here. Uh, I believe it was News Dad that got the job done, and I don't think Frank or I had News Dad in our selection. Yep, that was another Julian Lay Peru. This horse went from 10th to 1st to get the job done. Uh, one by two after going six wide. Now, the horse that we're really taking a look at there uh, wasn't the favorite, Salto, who uh, battled for the lead, was Take Charge Indy, the Pat Byrne trainee. And uh, this horse had not been out since the Kentucky Derby, where he finished up the track after uh, winning the Florida Derby wire to wire. It was a pretty good return. I mean, he battled all the way uh, with the favorite Salto, but uh, kind of gave it up late, ended up finishing Third in there again. Newsdad was the winner. Second was Nikki's Sandcastle. At Belmont Park, we went to the Bold Ruler, and the one question mark was the inside horse Buffon, owned by the Godolphin Racing Stable. Uh, this is obviously a handsome son of Bernardini out of Stormcat, because they went to one point two million dollars in the sales ring to get this horse. Well. You see a lot of gaps in his training. It looks like uh, Tom Albert, I'm sorry, Albert Tranny has taken his time with this horse. He must have a little hitch in his get-along, but he's always shown a lot of talent. Obviously, uh, for that price, he should. Uh, showed some uh, bullet works recently and came up and grabbed his first graded stakes win in the bold ruler. So now you've got a four-year-old Colt, and at least when he goes to stud, you can say he was a graded stakes winner. Uh, Frank's pick, little drama at four to one, ran second in there, and uh, third was Associate, a horse I believe that I liked, and uh, the favorite, who just uh, flattened out, was uh, Kaxa Electronica, who finished seventh. So we uh, went from there down to Laurel, uh, the Frank DeFrancis Memorial Dash, and uh, we came away with a nice winning ponies exacta. If you combined uh, my pick, Action Andy, with Frank's Il Volano, the payoff for $2, $144. And it was Action Andy at 10 to 1, rated in fifth most of the way, and got up by the shortest of noses in this six furlong $350,000 race. Again, Il Volano was second. Uh, the favorite Pacific Ocean ended up running 11th. Picking up the third spot was Immortal Eyes. Then we went out to uh, take a test ride at Santa Anita, and it was the Autumn Miss. This was a grade three race for three-year-old fillies, $100,000. And Frank and I were both on this one, though it did come up the slight favorite, and that was Lady Ten, another case of the Killer Bees. Rafael Bayarano and Bob Baffert uh, teamed up with Lady Ten. This horse has never been off the board, rated beautifully for Rafael in second, and held on by a neck over customer base who was absolutely flying from 10th in the autumn mist. 
Well, that's a look at last week. The fun part's coming up now, and that's going to be looking at the Breeders' Cup and all the fantastic races there. And there's probably no more of a fantastic writer to cover it than multiple Eclipse Award winner Jenny Reese. And uh, Jenny's going to fill us in, not only on the horses she likes, because she's been known to make a wager or two, but uh, Jenny is also going to kind of paint the picture for us and give us the different story angles. We've got some interesting people out there. We've got some uh, issues that need to be addressed, and uh, she's just the one to do it. So let's take a little break here on Winning Ponies, and we'll be right back with award-winning writer Jenny Reese. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at Tough the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, not only one of my favorite writers in the world, but one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, she's a multiple Eclipse Award-winning writer. Uh, if you uh, nowadays go online, you don't have to buy the, the Louisville paper, but if, if you do, you read uh, Jenny Reese on a regular basis. Of course, uh, Jenny also has a, kind of a blog spot that keeps things up to date. We talked earlier in the year about when she was tracking Hanson and the famous uh, Blue Tail incident and where he was going to go uh, leading up to the Derby and after the Derby. Of course, uh, Hanson on the sideline. But uh, it was fun to read. It was updated. She keeps people really engaged uh, in the sport on, on a lot of different levels. And right now, I believe she was made the trip out to the West Coast. Jenny, you out there at Santa Anita? I'm out here at Santa Anita. I'm here since Saturday. And I, I hate to say it, John, but if I'm one of your favorite people, 
you maybe have kind of a slow bar here. <laughs> oh, no. No, you're, you're the best. Uh, yeah. Jenny, oh, there's, there's a, a lot of, for a creative writer like you, uh, a day uh, like or a weekend like we're about to approach uh, has a lot of different story angles. Now, one, one's got to be real close to home that I'm guessing the paper wants you to cover, and that's the fact that in the juvenile sprint, there's a horse by the name of South Floyd that's uh, yes. owned by a guy by the name of Rick Patino. That's right. And originally, they wanted to go in an undercard race. But they're, they're going in this stakes race, and, of course, we love it because anytime um, you can, when you're doing all the social media stuff, if you can do hashtag Patino, hashtag UML, hashtag Cardinals, you think it helps your hits. So, yeah, so that'll be, he's a, he's a very nice horse, and it'll be interesting to see him. Um, I think Doug O'Neill thinks he's going to have a, a big Breeders' Cup. He's, uh, he's got this horse. He's, he's had enough. This will be a huge price in the juvenile. Who's really well bred? Uh, he's a tappet out of one of those great King Ranch families that all go back. All the mares start; their name starts with an A, you know. Um, and that's, you know, he's something you might put in the gimmicks in the juvenile. And they really think that they got a big shot in the classic. I mean, Richard's kid. You look at his form; you think oh, he seems a little better on synthetic. Um, and handsome Mike, who's the Pennsylvania Derby winner. He is indeed a handsome boy, I gotta say. Uh, but they think they're both doing well and, and handsome Mike might look outclassed in the classic, but, um, you know, he deserves a shot to be in there. But I'm also wondering if perhaps there's not the added benefit that he could ensure a little more pace to keep Game On Dude honest. Game On Dude, who's the big favorite in the classic, I think is vulnerable against a lot of top horses with other pace at a mile and a quarter. In each of his races, he has, at a mile and a quarter, he has been diminishing margins. Whether he wins or, or loses, he has lost ground in the last eight. And so the interesting see, I think there's a fair amount of other speed. I think Hanson might be part of that, uh, which could maybe set it up for a Richards kid. Of course, in that race, you've got the, um, you know, the Bill, Ma- Bill Mott trio of, um, Slide out won the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Ron Agree, who won the Sanita Handicap. He's one in the line. He's going to be a horse if he wins afterwards because he didn't run bad in the um, Jockey Club Gold Cup on an off track. But you look back and say, how did this horse pay, you know, $16 or whatever, you know? Right. So, um, and then to honor and serve, I think the toughest one up against it. Lot, I think he's really a bit more of a miler, um, but... He's already won a grade one at a mile, so that I guess they were thinking rather than going in the dirt mile, going the classic and swing for the fences, and you know what, you have nothing to lose and a, and a lot to gain as far as stud value. Um, I kind of guess I digress from Rick Pitino having South Floyd. <laughs> Well, the other, the other thing is, you know, you get, going back to what you were saying about the classic, it's hard to dismiss uh, anything that Bill Mott sends to post. Too many people did with Drosselmeyer last year at 14-1, to 1, right. but uh, he could set history in here in coming back and winning the ladies' classic with Royal Delta and then also being the trainer to capture the classic. Right, so it'd be a double-double. I'm writing about that in tomorrow's paper. He's going for a double-double. I'm, okay. I'm all, the puns I, all the puns I can come up with, he's... A new spin on doubling down. <laughs> it's, um, you know, racing field, one of the most coveted doubles in racing. You know, the Kentucky Oaks and Derby would be one, and then this would be another. And he's not the only one to win both races in the same year because John Sheriff did it with two mares. 
yeah. a few years ago here at Santa Anita. Um, but he'd be the first to do it twice. And so people are asking about me, you know, I really want to do it, but not because I did it last year. I just want to do it because I want to, you know, he says, I think I've got three very large horses. And if you ask me to separate them right now, I can't. I just, I think they all on their own have a legitimate chance to win. Only one trainer before has had three horses in the Breeders' Cup Classic. That was Bobby Frankel in 1993. He had uh, Petrando, who I think was coming in off victory in the Woodwood, like two straight grade one races. Then he had, um, gosh, I'm going to blank on who the second one was, but he was coming in off the Meadowlands Cup. And then the third one, oh, Marketry, that's who it was. And the third one was Missionary Ridge, who was just like a real hard knocker that tended to finish second, third, and fourth in grade one races. He was a great two winner. And, um, so that, that was a pretty formidable hand, and they finished second, fourth, and 11th to Arcon at 133 to 1. Right, um, right. One of the biggest upsets <laughs> in Breeders' Cup history. Well, one, one of the biggest issues at hand, certainly that I've heard discussed, and I want to get your read on it, and I don't know if they're buzzing about it in the press box of Santa Anita, but certainly they're talking about it nationally, and that's the fact that this is the first year that two-year-olds Yep. In LASIK. The, the stakes races will not be able to race on Lasix or Salix, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Uh, you know, um, uh, Mike Rapoli pulled all of his uh, horses that were eligible. Right. I think he had about six of them. Um, what, what's your read on it? What's being said about it? And how do you think that's even going to affect handicapping horses that their whole life have run on Lasix? I think I did a rundown, Jenny, and over the two days of all of the horses, all of the two-year-olds that are going to run there, there's only three from the U.S. that did not race on Lasix. Their last start. Oh, I missed one because I thought it was only two from the U.S. Um, I so could have counted late at night. I might have counted an extra many. one. But either way, um, what we're saying is that it's 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 a pretty impressive well, look at uh, number. Way. Look at this way. In the other, let's see, five. Okay, the other eight Breeders' Cup races, only two horses. One on Friday, one on Saturday. And those races for three-year-olds and up will not be running on license. Everything wow. else, including Europeans. And some of them first-time starters will be on license. Um, it's definitely a big thing. And if I may shamelessly pitch our website, careerjournal.com slash um, racing, we get all the racing stuff. Uh, I wrote about this morning, and Kieran McLaughlin called. I said, it's, it's an equipment change. He's looking at an equipment change that in the juvenile, every horse but four to five, his horse, will be off license. And not only that, they run on license every start. It's not like... They were off Lasix and went on it, which I guess would be a little bit more encouragement because there's two schools of thought. There's people that say, well, okay, let's say this is an effective um, breeder medication. Well, not all these horses are breeding, so why are, why are they on it? Other people say, and I am in this camp, I must admit that I'm also, you know, I'm married to a trainer, and I, I like to think I realize how hard it is to get these horses to the races. The view is, why should they have to bleed in the first place when you have something, when it's, Study, the most definitive study has shown that horses at some point are going to bleed to some degree. Lasix is effective about reducing or preventing it. Why make them bleed? Is that fair to the, the betters? And that's one thing a lot of these trainers, these trainers are getting a lot more vocal um, speaking out about it. Um, you were on the conference last week with Fletcher around. when he spoke out about it. Uh, but who, I'm sorry. Well, l- last week, I'm pretty sure you were on the conference call yeah. oh, I was. Uh, with when Todd doing, Fletcher um, when he was pretty vocal about it. Todd, Todd Fletcher did, and then Graham Motion um, came out and said, and, and Joe Drake from the New York Times has been very critical of the medication, and asked him, so, are these, these horses really need her? And, and he said, uh, Graham said, 80 to 90% of mine will eat at some time. He said, if you, you know, 
basically said, I just don't buy that when the, the Europeans think that they won't bleed. And, um, and Mark Cassie had a very interesting point. He said that the one thing he says he gets sick of hearing is, they do it this way in England, they do it this way in France. He says, we're our own country. He said, if we just bought that logic, we'd still be a British colony. <laughs> I thought that was kind of an interesting line. Yeah. And well, not only that, Jenny, how come all the European horses immediately go on Lasix when they come over here? Right. Well, they would say it's to level the playing field and stuff. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's very, I mean, there's people that are very heartfelt on both sides. And you've got to respect the people that really, they make their livelihoods in this. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a right to their opinion. But think of why it was such one thing. Um, Chad Brown, who's one of the really up-and-coming trainers, so he's not up-and-coming, he's, he's there. Come. You know, he's there. And he was saying, this is my life, this is, this is not um, a hobby. And he was very outspoken about it. Why would we want to, he said, why, it's, it's relatively cheap, you know, it's effective, why would we want to do this to these horses? Now, all the people that are running their horses here say, they, they don't think this could be an issue. Because they wouldn't bring a horse if they thought it was an issue, a horse that was a bleeder. And that's one thing that Graham Motion on the conference call said. He said, I'm a little disappointed with the entries, you know, that I'm hearing that these entries are going to be a little short, like in the juvenile fillies at the time. It looked like it could be short as a six-horse field. It's now an eight-horse field. Um, he said that if it's just because of Lasix, I think that's a little short-sighted. He said, having said that, if I had a filly that was a breeder, you know, yeah, I would be, you know, really think twice about running her without Lasix because these trainers say, that it's the kind of thing that can be compounded, that once you have a bleeding incident, it can just make it worse. So they want to avoid the bleeding incident in the first place. Um, I didn't hear Aidan O'Brien yesterday. I didn't realize he was here, but some of the British press was telling me that he was going on about Lysis and saying that, you know, this is good, now it equals the playing field. And uh, so, like I said, you can have but they sure don't have a problem taking advantage of it when it is here. And, and that's certainly their right to do so. Um, but this is definitely a, a big, big angle. Like I said, Kieran McLaughlin is hoping that with Fortify, who got dusted by um, Shanghai Bobby his last two races, because he's not been racing on Lasix, maybe there's an edge. And we'll see. I w- what I would like to have seen, it's not going to happen, but the Breeders' Cup had all, every horse in the five juvenile races scoped by the same team, so it would be apples to apples and all that. And right. let's get some science out of it. It's not a huge sample, but it's a bigger sample than anything you have. And let's see, you know. Uh, just be one step. Let's, let's find some things out. Because a lot of the Europeans think of bleeding as only if it's through the nostrils. And, and that's, that's not the case. It can be in the trachea. It can be in the lungs and stuff. So, you know, there's definitely a cultural disagreement over what constitutes bleeding. And I'm just... You know, I do think it's just a different game in America. And I think that it's not all Breeders' Cup racing. Now, we're racing, you know, we're racing at River Downs. We're racing at Churchill Downs on a Wednesday and a Thursday. And we're racing at Turfway Park in the middle of the winter. You know, old horses and stuff. And, um, you know, why wouldn't you do something that could, you could keep them going? And several, most of the trainers interviewed on the say the same thing. If there's a perception problem, it's because the industry has made it a perception problem, saying this sort of one thing like, slice it, slice it, and make it sound like it's frog juice. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, and it's not. And I you know, had a conversation with an Irish, I mean, a British reporter that I've known for a while this, this morning, and saying, look, you know, I could not pass a post space 
drug test for a horse. You know, they are the cleanest athletes going out there. It's amazing how little stuff they have in that race. It's just like the one thing you can get raced thing now. And that just gets completely, up with the man on the street, completely glossed over. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the betting, if people are going to be a little bit more cautious about I these tell horses you. coming off. And I wonder if the Don Europeans Sadler's are going to draw more action. Don Sadler, well, you know, maybe, but I don't know that the European betting is what really drives the, you know, makes the mare go round with the Breeders' Cup. But I'll tell you, John Sadler's hands, and I will tell your listeners, Capo Bastoni is like one of my long shot fights in the juvenile. He was, a, he was third beaten seven lengths in the Norfolk over speed favoring track, but the clocker sure really liked him. So anyways, but talking to this trainer, John Sadler, he said, I would tell people, and watch and enjoy the two-year-old races, but don't bet. He said, that's the only way that it's going to make a difference with the Breeders' Cup. That's the only way to sort of get the message there. Because, and, and Todd Putcher said this on the conference call that you alluded to, that his concern is the betters, who in the past, these horses are lasik, so they could feel some confidence that the horse probably wouldn't, you know, could still bleed through it, but would have less of a chance, and they could bet with more confidence, and now you just don't know. Well, I just pray that the last thing we do is look up at, uh, you know, an NBC camera in the winter circle and, and have to see something we don't want to see. Well, sure, yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, but it's um, it's it's a kind of no. I mean, the weather's been so spectacular out here. Now it's been 100 degrees when we've been out here before, and there's been, you know, um, wildfires out here before. But it's really been great, and it's been quite a contrast to what's happened in the east. Um, in addition to the Lasix, one reason Mike Rapoli was not interested in sending his horses out here was he just thought it was unfair the way New York kept getting, um, you know, passed over by. The Breeders' Cup. Now I think the Breeders' Cup is actually looking pretty smart because who knows who's even running Naira right now. But the other thing is, can you imagine if it was this weekend? If it didn't have been at either Belmont or uh, Monmouth Park, which is interested <laughs> in having it again sometime. I mean, you would, you know. Most people couldn't get there. The horses wouldn't be on the ground No, yet. no. You, yeah, you would just, I don't know what they would do. Yeah, so um, that, that's sort of an interesting wrinkle to it. But I, I don't think you can keep having it at the same site all the time. And I do think... When it comes back here next year, it's going to be the fourth time in six years. That's too many times for any one site. But I think, you know, you get people in certain regions kind of um, losing interest, just thinking, well, why should we always have to go there? And, um, but I do think this is, uh, I'm not saying this is the greatest Breeders' Cup, but, you know, a long time ago I learned it. Like the Kentucky Derby, some are better than others, but there's no such thing as a bad one. I knew who you owe is a little... Will emerge, and um, I do think that the Kentucky horses actually have a chance to really, really do well. Um, why is I hope so because in the mile. they don't, Jenny. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and Groupie Doll certainly, and I would just love to see Groupie Doll win. Not you know, not rooting against anybody, but you know, here's this family in Frankfort, Kentucky, that you know has only about ten folds a year, and. I mean, this is big stuff. I've never had a horse in the Breeders' Cup, and she just really looks like a monster. It looks great training out here. Worked right out here. Worked in, like, 34 the other day, um, and it just did it easy. 
And yeah, my, uh, I, I hear she's training great. John McKee been riding her, I think, at Churchill in the morning. That's right. He yeah, she's been working her. Yeah, trying to think if he even told me he broke her maid. Maybe not somebody. Who was it that? I'm trying to think. But, yeah, he's definitely her work rider. It just shows all the different components, all the different people that it takes to get a horse to the races. And, um, uh, you know, you think that they're making all this money. But Buff told me, I mean, they've got a farm in Frankfurt and, They've got fences that got to be built. In fact, the whole big thing is if they, if they win the Breeders' Cup, they're going to build another barn. I mean, that's the reality of racing. For the most part, people turn all the money they make back into it. And Buff had, um, you know, that mayor, Goopy Doll, she won a $400,000 race and then a $250,000 race. And a lot of people think that meant that they got 400000 and then they got 250000 Well, no, it doesn't work that way. Right, right. The reality of it. It is a great story, and the Bradleys are 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 super people. Well, Jenny, listen. I'm seeing yeah. my producer uh, giving me the old hook okay. here, so I've got to keep him uh, online to pay the bills. Thanks so much. This is again uh, Jenny Reese from the Louisville Courier Journal. Uh, you can certainly buy a paper if you're in the area, but it's real easy. Jenny, how do they get a hold of you online? One more time. Career-journal.com/slash Racing blog is a good way to get because I post a lot of my stories earlier. The unedited version that means it's a lot of times longer than you see. Or you can go slash racing, or just go to careerjournal.com and just find all the different little tags, sports, into racing, and there I will be. I, I encourage our audience greatly. Jenny, thanks so much for being on, and have a great time out there at Santa Anita. All right, see ya. All right. Well, that again was was Jenny Reese, and coming up again, one of my favorite writers in racing, a guy that's seen the sport from all sides, and that is one Marty McGee. Hold on, folks. You're on Winning Ponies. Stay right there. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, well, we uh, just finished talking to Jenny Reese. Uh, she's down there in Louisville, and also a kid that was born there that uh, grew up in the shadows of the spires of Churchill Downs is with us now, one of the best handicappers and race writers for the Daily Racing Forum, one Marty McGee. Marty, how we doing? Good, John. Glad you're having me. Thank you. Well, I, I always enjoy talking to you. I know what a hard worker you are. Uh, and, again, like I said, you have seen the, the sports from all sides. Uh, your brother, uh, Paul, a very uh, successful trainer, you always seem to be on, on top of things. Um, how hard is it for you when you get out there? And I know you've been there now for a week. I mean, you're talking, what, covering something like 120 horses. Uh, do, do you just kind of uh, put your your, your, your boots to the dirt and walk the back stretch uh are, are you meeting new people are you trying do you have an army of people that are helping you get information how do you compile it all yeah well we at the forum you know i don't know if you're aware of this john but we've had tremendous uh, problems this week at daily racing forum with uh, sandy that uh, we had a server our main server for our drf.com was uh, flooded out uh, i guess it was monday night and uh, we've been offline ever since we've really been scrapping to, to get, kind of get our stuff together. We have been putting out a, a bare-bones paper, but not with uh, quite a few of the features that normally go into it. And that's all a result. I, I want your listeners to know that's from uh, something we can't help with, with Sandy having put us out of commission. We're trying to, uh, they were scrambling today to try to get something done in terms of the Saturday paper, but uh, it's really been a bad timing for us uh, business-wise. But uh, we got We've got eight or nine guys out here. There's me and, and the four regular guys out here and Marcus and Marcus Hirsch and uh, Dave Grenning and Mike Wells. So there's eight of us watchmakers coming, too. So, uh, yeah, we got all kinds of people. I've been covering two races this week. One is tomorrow, the juvenile uh, sprint. And uh, that didn't come out that good of a race. It could have if Beholder and Kawhi Katie had stayed in, but they did not. Of course, they went to the juvenile Philly. So, um I got that race, and then on Saturday I've got a race in which my brother-in-law actually has a horse, Ron Ellis. He has a rail trip, and uh, there's a field of nine in there. It's really good. It's the Breeders' Cup third mile, a million dollars. I think it's the sixth race of 12 on the card, and the third of the Breeders' Cup races that day, third of nine. So uh, um, I've just kind of been focusing on that. Of course, we all have to make picks and kind of pay attention to everything, so... Uh, I've got some rooting interests, and, and you asked me if I met anybody new. Uh, before I left Kentucky, I actually spent some time with a guy by the name of Troy Rankin, and he had a horse named I'm Bound to Score in the juvenile turf. Uh, and I wrote a lengthy feature about him and the jockey Sarah Rook. She's just in her she, her first mile was April of 2011. Here they are in the Breeders' Cup. Troy uh, is at, based at the Thurbert Training Center there just north of Lexington on Paris Pike. Yeah. And uh, it's really... <laughs> It's really a good story. He's a 49-year-old guy. He just started training officially back in '09. He's had nine wins total, three of them by this cold. Um, and he's not in without a chance. Mike Welsh, I know our, our uh, clocker, just kind of stood up and took notice of it for the first time the horse trained seriously yesterday. He said, who's this horse I'm bound to score? And uh, 
So, you know, that's what the Breeders' Cup's about, is all kinds of stories, horses from everywhere, literally. I mean, Japan and and uh, overseas and in Europe and France and all our locals. Like I heard Jenny talking about Groupie Doll, what a great story she is. And uh, I love Wise Dan. I'm just, I'm just infatuated with that horse and the way he runs. And, uh, you know, as always, there's numerous storylines that we at the Racing Form are covering, and uh, I hope that certainly our fans share the excitement that uh, we all personally do for, for these races. Well, you know, you you do surround yourself with, with a great group. It'd be hard to single out uh, anybody because uh, there's so many of you guys that uh, just seem to find just great angles, great storylines. And I think somebody like you, Marty, particularly on the Kentucky circuit, people have, have seen you for over a decade now. So when you come walking down the shed row, you're not a stranger. And I'm sure that these guys understand, hey, if I say something to Marty, I'm not going to be misquoted. You know, he, he's not here looking for some kind kind of, you know, headline or something, he's going to tell it like it is. Yeah, I, you know, I, people first time, I say, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And uh, that's, I don't want to make anybody look bad. You know, I know how sensitive people are. You you know, you're putting them out there before, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. And uh, so, yeah, it's really important to them. And I, I made sure I got everything right. The story on Troy and... Uh, Troy and Sarah Rook is like 1,300 words, and I, I quadruple checked all my facts and everything. So, yeah, it's really an honor, too, John. You know, I was on with uh, your buddy E.J. Clark this morning just talking about this. And last night we had our National Turf Riders Association dinner at, at Santa Anita and honored some people. Butch Lear, the longtime superintendent at, sure. uh, at Churchill Downs, and we had uh, Mario Gutierrez and his 85 year old agent, Ivan Puhich, and we had Bill Mooney, the longtime. Turf rider, they were all honorees, and we all gave them standing ovations. It was really touching, and uh, it's re- it's really an honor to be a part of this business uh, at times like that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, Bill was uh, our guest on, on Winning Ponies just last week. I've known Bill for a long, long time, and I, I figured he'd make a great interview, and uh, my, my gamble certainly paid off. Uh, he, he's got such a, a rich uh, sense of the, the history of the sport and the respect for the sport. But I, in the same vein, so do you, and I think you're, you're a marvelous wordsmith, shall I say. I, I, sometimes I see, steal some stuff from you, if you don't mind, uh, the way you'll describe a horse, a jockey, a trainer, or a race. Uh, you, you, you have a marvelous way with words, Marty. Well, I appreciate that, John. You know, I, I, I'm one of the I'll, I'll, little this derby coming up in May of 2013. This is going to be my 40th derby, and I, I, I tell people I got lucky because you see kids struggling with what they want to do, and I've known since I was 12 years old I want to be a racing writer, and I'm 52 now. So, uh, you know, it's just if if you know what you want, it makes it a lot easier than if you you kind of in a quandary and so it was there before me and I just worked to get it and here I am and I appreciate you saying that about me I really do well I mean it from the bottom of my heart uh, I do want to ask you a question I'm wondering what is if you go back and look at the Breeders' Cup at Santa Anita over the history of it it, it seems that historically the East Coast horses don't fare very well at Santa Anita. Now, I don't know if that's because in the past it was a synthetic track or not. What, what's your read on that? Do you hear anything about that? What, what are your feelings, uh, particularly with the East Coast horses that are shipping in this year? Well, I think, um, you know, it's going to be a good gauge in terms of, uh, I don't know if we would call the Kentucky horses like Wise Dan and Groupie Doll Eastern. I guess we would, you know, we're east of the Mississippi. 
Right. Um, but I think a lot of the New York guys, oftentimes, people like um, Alan Jerkins have avoided coming here. I remember when he brought the the Hall of Fame Philly Sky Beauty, I think it was 93, and she got her head handed to her. And, um, you know, there's the, I think Lure was one of the horses who kind of bucked that trend. But overall, you had, like, in 2003, when Man, oh, Man, Mandela won the four races and... Uh, um, it, it has kind of been tipped in favor of the um, East Coast horses. Now, having said that, you've got guys like Chad Brown with a couple of really nice two-year-olds on the grass uh, this time. You've got Pletcher, I think, with eight or nine horses uh, that are running, a number of them obviously contenders. Um, but you, you've also got guys like Baffert waiting here with ten horses, and I, I think... <laughs> Uh, if Vegas had a lie on him, it might be two or two and a half victories for him alone. Um, and some other guys, like the, the race I'm covering, the juvenile sprint, um, you got Bob Huss waiting with the favorite there. And then again, if you go back to the East, if you consider Dale an East Coast guy, or he, you know, he pretty much is besides Kentucky. Uh, he's got five horses going. He's got Shackleford, one of the, he's the favorite in my race at Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. So, yeah, you know, again, that's what makes it so interesting that not only the horses from Europe and and, uh, and elsewhere, but the East versus West is always kind of a point of contention among fans, a point of pride. So um, it, it's really, I'm sure that one side will not sweep the other, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we can tally it up and kind of see who did better. I, I would have the feeling, if you, you know, if you're asking me to, to make a choice, I, I think the West Coast probably does have. Uh, more of an edge. They, they've got Baffert on their side for one thing. He's just loaded out here, with, obviously, with good horses. and uh, Right. And uh, they do have the home court advantage, so to speak. Uh, we're talking with Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. Marty, i got to, about a minute and a half till our break. I've got to get your read on this, and that is the two-year-olds not racing on Lasix this year. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, they're kind of all on a level playing field. Um, and, you know, it's going to be hard to say. It's not like we get to replay it, John. You know, there's one set of variables of time and, and circumstance, and it's it's really kind of hard to get some imperial, empirical data on, you know, who actually had the best horse and who was most, most affected adversely. So you just kind of, I think one guy said it was like, uh, what equine roulette, or maybe he was talking about Polly. Yeah, but any, it, it's just kind of hard to say. It's just hard to say, you know, who's going to be affected and who's not. You know, the other day at Keeneland, you probably saw this. My brother had a horse um, that they made a mistake on in terms of they did not get into the Lasix and Paul. We talked about it on the show last week. Running, and he, he ran and he won. You know, and then after the fact, Paul had said. You know, this horse had not really shown any overt signs of being a bad leader. Well, that might not be true for some of these two-year-olds. Maybe they really are in need of them, need of need of the medication more than some of the rivals are going to be in against. That's the kind of thing it's hard for us to, as even as reporters, uh, to know. You know, to what degree these horses have been in need of. You would think that the two-year-olds, and the reason they did the two-year-olds is that they have not established any kind of um, bad bleeding kind of uh, incidences, so I, I guess it's, it's a starting point for them. I, personally, I'm against it. I think it's, um, you know, I think we should have Lasix. It is not a performance enhancer that's been proven time and again, in my opinion, and uh, I think it's a step in the wrong direction, kind of 
politically motivated by some do-gooders, but that's, you know, again, that's just me uh, talking of uh, maybe politically incorrect, but there you have it. <laughs> and, and maybe from the heart, because uh, some of those same people that uh, at a round table will talk about how bad it is will race their horses in graded stakes races on Lasix. Uh, I won't name anybody Amen. in particular, yeah. but uh, you know who they are. Well, Marty, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break and pay some bills, and then we come back. Uh, I want you to kind of put your handicapping hat on and pick some of uh, y- y- your favorite races uh, that we're going to see on, on Friday and Saturday in the Breeders' Cup. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Don't go away. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And there What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. And, uh, Marty, one race I want to talk about and, uh, and, and get your read on is the fact that uh, Bill Mott is going to be putting Royal Delta back in with the ladies instead of taking the boys on in the classics. Is that ladies one of the deepest fields you've ever seen? I mean, the, the historical implication of the fact that you've got the return winner racing against two undefeated Phillies is unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. You know, I, I wonder sometimes if Bill might have been better off running her in the against the boys because of the mile and a quarter. I think the mile and eighth might be a touch short for her. Uh, you know, I, I know that she won last year fairly easily at Churchill Downs, but like you mentioned, I, I think that the, the water's gotten a little bit deeper here this year, John, with with the undefeated Minus Aurelian, the undefeated Awesome Feather. Um, and, it's you know, my brother-in-law's got a horse there that he really likes and uh, include me out and... I think Royal Delta, on her best, will win, um, but it's only, a, what, $2 million as opposed to the five. And I guess that Billy having three other horses in the Classic maybe 
played a, a role in that decision to, to just keep her in with the Phillies. But um, it's really going to be an exciting day tomorrow. It's it's the last of the six Breeders' Cup races, and, and as usual, these days are, are built to, to build to a crescendo. And uh, I think that's going to happen when we, um, you know, have post time for the for the ladies' classic tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard to believe that at, at this point in their career that you would actually have two undefeated Phillies going into a race of this quality. It's it's uh, really uh, pretty sensational. I guess somebody won't. I've, I've got a little bit of a hometown favorite here in, a, in lingerie, a horse I know you saw uh, running the Spinster Stakes is going to be uh, – Switching uh, surface and draws the outside post uh, might get twelve to one though. You thinking lingerie's got a shot at anything in there? You know, I think I picked her third and fourth in, in the selections we made for the racing form. I, when you start looking though, John, at those grass fillies on the uh, from Europe, they, they've got those group ones over there, and 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 these guys who come over, a guy like Pat Cummings, who really follows it closely for Trackus and um, and. The Dubai people and, and the, all these English riders—they—they they just kind of think they're slam dunks with some of these other um, some of these other fillies in that in that race. Well, uh, t- tell me—you know—I—I uh, I think last time I saw you, I was behind you at a betting window at Keeneland. Um, who are some of the some of the races that uh, you find interesting from a uh, wagering viewpoint? I, I'm going to use include me out as a, as a price with Royal Delta um, in, in the ladies' classic. I, I think that Awesome Feather is very vulnerable. Chad Brown's done a great job with keeping her unbeaten, but he's kind of kept her away from the heavy heads, and, and that's exactly what he's facing with her. So I'm, I'm against her. I'm also against my Miss Aurelia. I thought, um, you know, she's just had the two races this year for Steve, and, and she's stretching out a little bit and there's some other speed in there too so i'm going to go with the closers in there and that would be the the seven six i believe it is or six seven maybe royal delta and and uh, include me out and then i think that in the uh silly mary sprint which is on saturday it had been a friday race ever since it came into existence they switched it over i guess because groupie doll is such a star um but I'm going to use Groupie Dog over my brother-in-law's horse, Teddy's Promise. I think she's going to run a huge one, even though she drew the rail. There's a couple of horses in there I'm not really keen on with um, with uh, um, Turbulent Descent. She hasn't been that consistent in my mind. She's going to take quite a bit of money. I, I think Groupie Dog, I hate to jinx uh, Buff Bradley by saying she's a cinch, but she is the most likely winner, I think, of all 15 races. And I heard Jenny talking about her at length, and I don't want to belabor that, but yeah, I'm really for for for, uh, for buffing that spot. And by the same token, I've been all over Wise Dan for a couple of years. We we've all just marvelled at the way that horse can can scoot and boot, and uh, I think it's going to be great to see him go against the horse that Frankel ran against so many times in Acceleration. It's really exciting, and I'm definitely on the side of Wise Dan. Well, so so am I. I mean, uh, I, I I saw him down at Keeneland, and I mean, he ha- has got a, a butt as big as a bus. And I mean, and that's where your motor comes from. I I know he's he's on the muscle a lot. He's probably not the easiest horse for Lepresti to to, uh, to train. But uh, you know what what he's done with him over this past season is is pretty unbelievable. But in in the same breath, uh, you've got this ex celebration, and of course you know the way everybody is celebrating Frank. 
Finkel as being uh, perhaps one of the greatest horses Europe's produced in decades. Uh, if Frankel's that good, how good is this Irish bread? Well, that you know, that's the question we're going to be have to answer. I, I kind of suspect that the Europeans are already have a couple of built-in excuses. A, the horse had to travel over here. B, he just ran on October 20th. Um, C, he was, ran on soft ground. It's going to be much different than the softer ground they're used to over there. And uh, it is, however, only a nine-horse field. Uh, they're talking about, obviously, that horse back here for Joe Talamo a lot about how good he is, too. So that's another dimension. And then the, the French filly on the outside, uh, I'd Melody or whatever her name is, uh, they say she's in with a chance too, and uh, you know it's just gonna be a great race. I, I just can't. I, I love the way that Wise Dan rated in the in the Shadwell Mile and just from the five eighths mole five eighths pole home. Just he runs off, John. It's like a run off. You, know, you you know you'll see like at Riverdown the horse is running off early when he shouldn't be. Well, this horse runs off <laughs> when he shouldn't. Like at the three quarter pole, he just keeps running, and, and it, it's just. An amazing thing to, to see this horse run. I just hope he runs that kind of race on Saturday and shows the world that, hey, maybe Frankel isn't the greatest horse of all time if, in fact, Wise Dan can beat him, beat Acceleration the way that Frankel handled Acceleration. All right, well, I'm closing in on about two minutes. Do have to ask you about two mystery horses, if you want to call them that. One is in this race, Animal Kingdom, and the other one is in the Breeders' Cup Sprint, Fast Bullet. Horses that have been away from the races for quite a while coming back at this level. You give either of them a shot? Yeah, I'm a huge Grand Motion fan. I'm, I'm a big Animal Kingdom fan because he, he won our race at, at Turfway and then the Derby, and I'd hit a, hit a lick on it. So, you know, he's never going to owe me a dime. And uh, just the fact that that Barry Irwin and Graham Motion knew well ahead of time how tough this race was going to be, and they they still said, "Hey, we're going to go on, go ahead and run him in this." I think that says a lot. You know, he's probably going to need the race, but if he does, it'll be up there with the Haas kind of legendary feat kind of kind of deal if he were to upset this field. And then Fast Bullet, he. I'm pretty sure he had run for somebody else at Baffert's heading for months now and training him out here. And, and the fact that with just two races under his belt ever and the way he's trained like a freak, evidently, that, uh, that you know, that Baffert said, yeah, I want to run him in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. That says a lot. Now, having said that, John, it's a field of 14, as we know, they go really fast early in that race. I think... Even though that the Phillies and Mares go seven eighths, these guys only go three quarters. To me, that just means they go they go a ridiculous half. I'm sure they'll go forty three and change early. And uh, I don't know if a race like that's going to be made to order for a horse off the shelf like Fast Bullet. <laughs> and if, if in fact he can pull it off, it, you know it's going to be one of those King Bob Baffert kind of deals. Well, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum, thanks so much for your insight. I hope that things work out with the uh, big uh, Sandy there in New York and the, the Racing Forum gets back online ASAP. Appreciate you being with us, Marty. All right, buddy. Anytime. Thanks, John. All right, thank you very much again, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. Well, that pretty much closes it out. Remember, NBC Sports Network will have the races on Friday, and then NBC will have it on Saturday. But I say that you download as much great Breeders' Cup information as you can get off winningponies.com. And remember, when you're betting Friday and Saturday, have a great time. Bet with your head, not over it.
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.